says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, for whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Lord, as we just come to you this evening, we pray this. Where do we get our help from? Our help comes from the Lord. Lord, let us in this season turn all of our fears into faith and trust you. Lord, we trust you as your word says that your hand will be upon us. We do not fear the pestilence at night. Lord, help us just to trust you and to keep our eyes on you. Help us to redeem the time that we're in right now to take this time you've given us to truly grow and go deeper in you. Lord, help us as individuals to stop and really just examine ourselves in you and let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts on the things that we can change to be more like you. Let us as a nation turn back to you. Let us as a world turn back to you, Lord. Let this be a time of growth. Let this be a time of revival. Let this be a time of seeking you in ways that we never thought we would. Lord, you've taken us out of the chaos of the world here for a little bit and let us now just stop and focus on you. Where does our help come from? It comes from you. We pray, Lord, that you would be with little Danny up in Michigan, your continued hand of health to be upon him. Be with those battling sickness. You are a big God that can handle this prayer. We pray you'd be with everybody in the world struggling with this virus. We ask for wisdom for President Trump, wisdom for Governor DeWine. And Lord, let our eyes be on you in your name. Amen. All right, good evening, everybody. We will be in Numbers 14 tonight. Uh, Numbers 14. You guys want to go ahead and get your Bibles turned open there. Uh, What a blessing that was uh, with worship there, especially at the end when Ellen from Delphus came in like that. That was a lot of fun. Only way that would have been cooler is if she had like little uh, baby Oliver on her back or something like that when she was doing it. But that was really cool. What a blessing. And and, and sincere um, thanks to Mar for putting that all together. And just what a blessing that was. Really, really do appreciate that. How cool was that? A couple quick announcements here. Just want to let everybody know about. We obviously have our prayer time call Sundays at 3. We've been doing that the last couple Sundays. It has been an amazing blessing. I know Dawn's been doing it. I popped in a couple of times to hear it. Just so cool to see the body of Christ coming together on that. All that information will be on the church Facebook page. And uh, Lynette Taylor leads that up, does a great job with that. So Sundays at 3, great time for the body to connect. We're also doing our uh, daily Instagram study through the book of John. You don't need to have an an Instagram account. Pastor Renee is leading that up. If you want to just follow along with that, that's a wonderful blessing as well. All of our small groups have moved from meeting face-to-face to to now meeting either online or via phone. Check with the different small group leaders to see how they're trying to do that. I know some of the studies I'm involved with, we've been using the Zoom app, and it's a pretty cool thing that you can meet that way. So guys, if you're out there, and you want to get involved in a small group, you can go ahead and just contact me. I can give you the information. And if we need to set up more small groups, we'll do that. We'll set them up here. This is a time for us to connect spiritually. We may have to isolate physically, but we don't have to isolate spiritually. Once again, if there's a need that you have, anything you need, contact us. Let us know. We'll make sure we can try to help you out as much as possible. We can come by, drop things off. Whatever you need there, we want to represent Jesus Christ. Remember, we're being prayerful, we're being practical, but we're also being purposeful in this time as well. So that's a wonderful blessing.
I've had a lot of comments about the different uh, face plates that were put up on Sunday. Um, there was some more added, but they're very unique this week. So I don't know who's doing this. They have the actual pictures of people. And there's about uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine of them over there. But they're, they're actual pictures. And someone has actually put like Bibles there and notebooks like they were sitting and instead of it looking like there's people there for the teaching, it actually looks like the rapture happened and they got left behind. That's what it kind of actually looks like. So I don't know if that came across the way they wanted to, but now I'm looking over at them. It's like, you know, I think the rapture happened and we may just need to pray for those people when it comes to that as well. Numbers 14 tonight. Numbers 14. I'm going to go turn the lights on on the stage. Uh, Donna contacted me this week and let me, wanted me to let you know that uh, sending out more packages for the soldiers. And uh, we will take some time and get a chance to pray for them as well here before we get started. So she has uh, a lot that she's doing. The church has been uh, quite the blessing there. There's actually extra stuff there. Uh, she sent a couple pictures of all the different items and everything. What a blessing it is. And we want to pray for these soldiers as we send them out. So let's just go ahead and take a moment right now. Lord, as we just get ready to get in the word here, I just think of those soldiers that are serving and these packages that are going out to them. You know, in the name of Jesus, go before that as they open them up, that they'd be blessed by them, that they would stop and know they're loved, and just let the devotion and there, let the spiritual truth in there really just speak to their hearts, but also the items there for Jim just to know that people care and are praying for them. Oh, Lord, I pray you be with each one of those in your name. Amen. Numbers 14. For those that were wondering, I mentioned on Sunday that we were going to be having our uh, fellowship meal tonight. It would just be just Elias and I because of everything that was going on. And um, I said I was hoping that he would sit with me. And uh, he chose not to. So it was just me by myself. So since he was not willing to sit with me, it kind of lets me think right now that I should let the Spirit lead. And I believe maybe instead of doing Numbers 14, we should do uh, Ephesians of children obey your parents. And all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Because I really want you guys at home to pray. I believe there's just an individual here in the church tonight. An individual, just maybe one person that we should finish with an altar call. Because they need to get right with Jesus. Just going to throw that out there. So... I um, also want to let you know if you want to do questions tonight, uh, I think they are collecting those on Facebook, and I believe Renee is moderating that. And so therefore, if you have any questions concerning our number study, we'll get into that. Numbers 14, everybody. Numbers 14. Uh, verse 1, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Now we actually finished with those verses last week, but it's just a little bit of a reminder here. Numbers 13, they sent out the uh, spies into the wilderness. The spies were not willing to come back with a good report. Now, two of them did, Joshua and Caleb, but the other spies were not willing to come back, those other ten spies. And they came back and they said this, very important verses, verse 27 of Numbers 13. They told him and said, we went to the land where you send us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So it was a blessed land, but, verse 28, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large. And we went on and talked about had all these excuses why they couldn't obey. This is where it leads us there. So they get to the promised land after this year and a half. They send the spies out. It's, it's 
too scary for them. They can't do it. There's not enough faith. Joshua and Caleb says we can do this. And their great idea is to do what? Verse 1. They weep. They cry. Why? Because they're afraid. They're Because it's too hard. It's not what they expected. And they came back in verse 2. And they said, only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Remember verse 2. Remember that phrase, if only we had died in the wilderness, that's going to come back later. Verse 3, our children and our wives here are going to be victims. Victims. God's not big enough to take care of them. The whole parting of the Red Sea, the whole manna, the whole water, all that, not big enough. No, God can. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Remember what state Egypt is in. Remember, it's only been a year and a half since everything happened. So Egypt is decimated politically and economically and just physically. It's decimated, but that's where they want to go back. So verse 4, let us select a leader. We know from the book of Nehemiah, they actually got to the point of selecting a leader. See, the issue right here is that God basically failed. That he got us to the promised land. Yes, Numbers 13, 27 and 28. It is as good as he said it was going to be. But, but it's too much. And we talked last week about all the excuses we have and reasons why we can't obey. And just life is full of excuses. God got him there. God would take care of him. So let's pick it up now. So what would we do at this point? You get to the location and there's this revolt. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, no fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us do not fear them and all the congregation said to stone them with stones now the glory of the lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of israel so i love this verse five what does moses and aaron do when faced with this just unbelievable situation they pray and what does caleb and joshua do they persuade How neat is that? Moses and Aaron, verse 5, pray, fell on their faces. Joshua and Caleb, verses 6 and 7, are going to go persuade. Some pray, some persuade. I remember we were up in um, Toledo a few years ago. We were doing an outreach at a a Muslim mosque. And I remember uh, George that was leading at the time said to us, Hey, listen, some of you are going to go out and you're going to hand out the tracts. You're going to have the conversations. And some of you are just going to stand in the background and pray. I thought that is a really cool thing. Some are out there persuading. While some are in the background praying. Both are equally vitally important. And so some of us have the ministry of prayer. Some of us have the ministry of persuading. Some of you may not be called to go out and do some of that missions work. All of us are called to go represent Christ. But we're called to support and pray for those that do. So Moses and Aaron pray. Joshua and Caleb persuade. I like that. Look at the wording here also if we get into this of what Joshua and Caleb say. It is a great land, verse 8. Verse 9, do not rebel against the Lord. Disobedience is rebellion. We don't think of it from that perspective. We say it's too scary. It's to this. No, it's disobedience. It's rebellion. Even if there's fear, if God has called you, he will lead you. If God has called you, he'll empower you. There is no excuse. And look at the wording right here. Verse nine. They are our bread. Some of your other translations, they are our helpless prey. We will devour them. 
This is the faith of Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb will definitely be blessed for this later on. We'll get to that in the future. And Joshua is blessed for this as well. But look at the reaction, verse 10. Talk about two completely different reactions. The people, verse 10, let's stone them. But then the glory of the Lord shows up. This is where it's going to get really interesting. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. That's a tad bit tempting, I would think, for Moses. God says, I'm going to start over with you, Moses. Moses' response, verse 13. Now, this is a long section, verse to verse 19. I'm going to read all of it. But it's important to get the whole context. It says, And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. There's a lot in this. So let's break this down. When Moses prays to the Lord, one of the key things he's saying in this situation is, God, remember your glory. If you stop now, Lord, and you kill these people and you start over, what are all the other nations going to say? Your glory, Lord. I think this is so important. We have to remember everything we do is for God's glory. Everything is for God's glory. You know, a lot of times when people come to me and they're struggling maybe with a health issue, with a sickness, with a uh, relationship issue, you name it. Obviously, I pray, you know, for a healing. I pray for God's provision. But ultimately, in the back of my mind, a lot of times I'm saying, God, be glorified in this. How would it most glorify you? How would it take this person deeper? Moses' prayer right here is saying, Listen, Lord, if we quit this, if you stop this, the world's going to hear this, and they're going to say, Lord, you weren't able to do it. Verse 16, the Lord was not able to bring the people to the land. God, your glory. I love this quote by J.C. Ryle. It says, The glory of God is the first thing. That God's children should desire. Think about that. The glory of God is the first thing that God's children should desire. It's the object of one of our Lord's own prayers. In John 12, 28, Jesus said, Father, glorify thy name. It is the purpose for which the world was created. It is the end for which the saints are called and converted. It's the chief thing we should seek. 1 Peter 4, 11. God in all things may be glorified. That's really hard because in the world we live in, we always want to glorify us. There is absolutely nothing in me that deserves glory. Not by our might, not by our power, not by anything, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is all about him. And if we're going to glory in anything, the Bible says to glory in that we know who Jesus Christ is. That's the glory, is God. Remember that it's never about us. It's about God and his glory. Number two, what do we see in this prayer of Moses? We see him reminding Reminding, Look at verse 17. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying. Then he goes ahead and he quotes God. Keep your hand right here, because we're going to come right back to this. But jump back to Exodus 34 real quick. Exodus 34. Verse 
If you remember correctly, we just talked recently on a Sunday about the idea of reminding God in prayer. It's not that God is forgotten, but by us reminding God, it reminds us of what God has said. Psalm 25 verse 6 says this, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old. Remember, O Lord. I notice a lot of times in my prayer, I'm reminding God, God, you are good. God, you are doing good. God, you said you would do this. It, It really is reminding me Of what the Lord has already said he's going to do. But the Bible tells us to tell God. To remind him. So I think it's interesting here that Moses. In Numbers 14. He's going to remind God. Of what he's already said. That he is long suffering. Abundant in mercy. Forgiving iniquity. Transgression. He by no means clears the guilty. They're there in verse 18. Now what's the context from him saying this? It's back from Exodus 34. And if you remember correctly in verse 5. This is after the whole golden calf situation. Where God is, is angry at Israel for them jumping back to idolatry so quickly. Exodus 34 verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for the thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worship. Then he said, if I have now found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. So Moses is reminding God, remember the last time we really messed up as a nation, Lord? And you told us, Lord, that you are merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy. And Lord, you forgave us then. So he says, God, I'm going to pray that same prayer now because you already told me that's who you are. So now, verse 18, Lord, I'm going to remind you, you're long-suffering, abundant mercy, forgiving iniquity, etc. What a great remember of prayer. Reminding God who he is as we go through in prayer. What else do we see in this prayer of Moses? Prayer shows our growth. Prayer is really a growth chart. I've used the growth chart example many, many times, probably because we have you know, seven children and we're, we check their growths a couple times a year. And it's so neat to go back and see how much they've grown. This prayer shows Moses' growth. Because if you remember correctly, when God and Moses first met back in Exodus 3 and 4, God called Moses to go lead Israel. And Moses' response is, send somebody else. I don't want this responsibility. And what do you see here in Numbers 14? Moses says, no, I love these people. I love these people. I tell you, a, a, great, a great example of how you're growing as a believer is how you start praying for other people. Especially those people that are difficult. Those co-workers you struggle with. Maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe your pastor, maybe people at church. And, and it's how you pray for them. Because when you really start doing what Jesus said, you know, pray for your enemies in Luke chapter 6. Love them. It shows us deeper spiritual growth. Moses used to say, send someone else. And here he says, no, no, I care for these people. It shows growth. Lastly, it shows us that we're supposed to have a heart like Jesus. Moses intercedes for the people here. Moses just could have forgotten them all. But he says, no, I want to stop and intercede for these people. I I, I care for these people. God is looking for somebody to step in and intercede. I want to show you this point. Go with me to Ezekiel 22, please. Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22. It's interesting. There's this theme throughout the Bible where God wants us to be intercessors. 
where we go for people on their behalf to the Lord. Now, this is not some type of intercession for salvation or anything like that. It's that we care for these people, and so we therefore say we're going to pray for these people. This is what God is doing. He's allowing this prayer to be recorded here to show us how Moses' heart has grown, but also to show us the importance of intercessory prayer. Ezekiel 22, let's start in verse 29. It says, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they are wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God says, I was waiting for someone. I was waiting for someone to stand up and pray. I was waiting for someone to stand up and say, seek the Lord so he doesn't destroy us. 31, therefore I've poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. And I've recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. God says, I'm waiting for someone to stand up and pray. Moses did that. He shows that there's a power in us doing that. So therefore, even though I may be doing marriage counseling with a couple, that they don't care. I do. I'm going to be an intercessory for that marriage. I, I remember hearing a pastor's wife say one time at a pastor's conference, she goes, we care more about their marriage than they do. There may be somebody who doesn't want to get right with the Lord, but I want him to get right with the Lord, so I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to do what this verse says. God's seeking a man to make a wall, to stand in the gap. Okay, Lord, I will pray for them. And this is being a picture of Jesus Christ. This idea of intercession is throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Luke 8, excuse me, Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we did not know what we should pray for as we all, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us. With groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Jesus intercedes for us. Once again, Romans 8. He, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Hebrews 7. Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Meaning Jesus. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. The Spirit intercedes for us. Jesus intercedes for us. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. So therefore I need to intercede for people. Paul asks us to do this. 1 Timothy 2. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Paul says, intercede for people. I love this quote from Oswald Chambers about being an interceder, an intercessor. Oswald Chambers says this, Do you find yourself thinking that there is no one interceding properly? Then be that person yourself. Be a person who worships God and lives in a holy relationship with Him. Get involved in the real work of intercession, remembering that it is truly work. Work that demands all your energy. I love that point. Do you think that no one's interceding, right? Then you do it. Boy, I run into that a lot out here at church. Someone has an issue about something. They don't like the teaching. They don't like the worship. They don't like the ministry of this. They don't like the way we're doing that. Now, they're really quick and easy to complain about it, but are they easy and quick to intercede for it? Have they started praying and fasting for that ministry leader? Are they on their knees constantly seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, move in their heart? Or are they just going to go around and tell everybody what they think and feel? I love what Oswald Chambers says right there. Get involved in the real work of intercession, remembering that it is truly work. Work that demands all your energy. I am telling you, it is a lot of work to be an intercessory prayer person. It is physically and emotionally, spiritually draining. But you see the blessing of it. You see the power of it. And I tell you, you see the fruit of it. You see the fruit of it. So, Moses intercedes. 
God's response, verse 20, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory in the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. God steps in and more details coming there at verse 23. They shall certainly not see the land. We're going to find out what happens here in a little bit. A couple quick points. Caleb is blessed. Blessed by standing strong. Caleb is blessed by being a man that did not back down. We need more men like Caleb that aren't afraid to speak love and truth and to step in. We need that. I think it's interesting here, this idea of ten times that we see in verse 22. They have put me to test these ten times. I've read a lot of commentaries on this, and some of them take it literally, and they try to find ten times. It seems like it's pushing it. It seems like it's more like a figure of speech that we would use because Jacob says the same thing when he's dealing with his uncle Laban, that Laban has come and changed his wages 10 times. Just kind of seems like maybe it's a saying of like, this has happened a lot. Could be literally 10 times. If you go look, you can find lists of people where they try to find a list of 10 times. It seems like it's kind of pushing it though just a little bit. So now, what's his judgment going to look like? Verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from twenty years old and above. Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims... I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the burnt, the brunt, excuse me, of your infidelity, until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of days in which you spied out the land, forty days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do all this. All, excuse me, I will surely do to this all this evil congregation are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land. These very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. This is a huge changing point. For the nation of Israel. This is just a huge changing point. David Guzik said this. He says this turning point in Israel's history. Is an essential lesson for every believer. This this idea is repeated again and again. Psalm 95. Today if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. As in the day of trial in the wilderness. Where your fathers tested me. They tried me though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation. And said it is a people who go astray in their hearts. And they do not know my way. So I swore my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Psalm 106. They despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised up his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nation and to scatter them in the lands. And lastly, Nehemiah 9. 
But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. They hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. This changes Israel's history, and now they go wander for 38 years, total of 40 years. It's so sad to read this. And before you think this sounds like God being so harsh, remember, verse 28, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. They said, it's better to die in the wilderness. They would rather die in the wilderness than go into the promised land. That's exactly what God allowed them to do. He honored their wishes. So instead of us looking at this as angry God being mean, this is God actually saying, this is what you wanted, and I'm giving you what you want. And even more so, the ones that spied out the land, verse 37, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. That word plague is an interesting word. One commentator said you could almost translate it stroke. It sounds like those 10 almost died instantaneously. This changes Israel's history. Verse 33, your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. One guy figured it out like this. He says to make this happen, he says you have to average 85 people a day dying, seven people an hour dying for the next 38 years. Now, obviously there were different times where tens of thousands of them died, but ultimately it's just now death for the next Four decades because they chose to walk in fear, not faith. They walked in unbelief. They would not go into the promised land. They did not trust God. I, Israel gets how serious this is. And now here's, here's our last point in 39 through 45. They get how serious it is. So now they go the complete opposite way. And I've seen this a lot in my life and other people's lives too. I go so far the one way that is ungodly and unspiritual. So I'm going to make up for it by going super the other way. And what happens is I'm just letting my emotions lead me. I'm letting my emotions lead me away from the Lord. I'm letting my emotions then lead me to something I think is really strong faith. John Corson says this, it looks like faith, but it's really folly. Take a look at verse 39. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and they went up to the top of the mountain saying, Here we are and we will go to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. So guys, we're just going to go in. We messed up. We should have gone in the first time and we didn't. Um, so we heard God's uh, command of judgment here. We're still just going to go in. 41. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you it passed guys you you had the opportunity and you lost it if you go up now it's just all flesh it's all folly it's not faith do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies for the Lord is not among you for the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you and you shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord the Lord will not be with you but they presume to go up to the mountaintop nevertheless neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord, nor Moses departed from the camp. They went all on their own. They don't have the leadership of Moses, and they don't have the presence of God. The word there in 44, they presumed to go up. Faith is knowing God's will. Presumption is guessing God's will. I heard that in a teaching. I love that. Faith is knowing God's will. Presumption is guessing it. These guys are just going to go out and guessing. Now, this, this is what we're going to try. I think this is going to work. We hope this is going to work. There's not faith here. They presume to go up to the mountaintop. 
That, that, that word for presumed is a really interesting word. It's actually translated proud later on in the book of Habakkuk. And the reason I picked that, mention that to you is because it's Habakkuk 2.4, about the just shall live by faith, a very famous verse that's repeated in Romans and Galatians and Hebrew. The opposite of faith is presuming, according to that verse. The opposite of faith is being proud. So they're now going to try to fix this on their own. Oh, man. How, how often have we seen that? Since I wasn't walking with the Lord, my marriage and family fell apart. So now I'm going to go fix it on my own. It doesn't work that way. You know, I, I jumped into sin since I wasn't walking on the Lord. So now by my own strength, I'm going to fix it. It doesn't work that way. The faith is really folly because we're doing it on our own. This is all them. So what happens? 45, and the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelled in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Horma is an interesting word. It means a lot of different things. It can mean destruction. It can mean banning. Basically what happened is it led to their destruction at this moment. This, this fleshly reaction came back to bite them. Because they were just going to try to fix the problem they had. Now, what I like about this though is back in Numbers now, jump ahead to Numbers 21 real quick. God is such a God of grace and mercy. In Numbers 21, jumping ahead many, many years now, it says, The king of Arad, the Canaanite who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Erthurnium. Then he fought against Israel and took some of the prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel, delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities. So the name of the place was called Hormah. Now the reason I bring this up is this. Numbers 14, they try on their own to do it in their flesh without God. They get defeated and they call the place Hormah. Numbers 21, they have learned their lesson. And they say, God, verse 2, if you will do this, we'll go do this for you. And they called the place Horma. It shows me that God is willing to give us another chance. Real quick, if you look at verse 2 and you say, well, that sounds a little rush, harsh. If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Why would God get anything out of us destroying their cities? The, the reason they said that is to say, Lord, we're not doing this to get plunder. We're not doing this to get more things. We're doing this solely for you and to prove that we don't want anything. We don't want anything in any way whatsoever. So we will destroy the cities because we're not doing this to get something. We just want to make a vow to you to get our people back and we're willing to trust you. I love that. I, I don't know where you're at spiritually. You may be a Numbers 14 Horma. You're doing it on your own. It's in your flesh and it's not working. And you wonder why you keep getting defeated. Because you're going to fix your marriage. You're going to fix your problems. You're going to get deeper spiritually. You're going to quit that sin. And you're going to become this godly person all on your own. Problem is you don't have the Ark of Covenant with you. You don't have spiritual leadership with you. And you're all there on your flesh. It ain't going to work. You're going to get defeated and retreat. What you need to be is Numbers 21, Horma. Where you stop and you say, Lord, if you'll do this for me. Because I can't do this on my own. That's what we can learn from this. Numbers 13 and 14 are some of the saddest chapters in the entire Old Testament. When given the opportunity to go into the promised land, they walked in fear, not faith. They retreated instead of going in victoriously. And they had excuse after excuse why not. It led to the death and destruction of millions of them and wandering for 40 years. And it led to their own flesh saying we can do this instead of just obeying God. What a lesson for us. If God has led us, 
if God has called us, even if there's fear, Lord, I walk in faith. I trust you in this. No excuses, Lord. And if you tell me to go, I go. If you tell me to stop, I stop. Because, Lord, I trust you. And this is what we can learn. Remember what Paul said. These people were given to us as examples. Examples of what to do and examples of what not to do. And what an opportunity here. Last point I'm going to say about this. I love that prayer of Moses in the middle of this chapter. It shows his spiritual growth. And it shows us how to be an intercessor in prayer as well, too. What a wonderful blessing that is. Elias, is there any? Yes, we do. Okay. Bias is getting the question around here for us. Okay. Yeah. The first question is from Amber. Why do we need to remind God who he is? Why do we need to remind God who he is? Um, Great question. Like I would say to this, it's not that we're reminding God who he is. It's reminding us who God is. Whenever it tells us, like they said there in Psalm 25, remember, O Lord, it's not that God has forgotten. What it is, it's reminding us of who God is. And that's part of the way God works is by us praying these scriptures back, by us saying, Lord, remember. It's really teaching us to remember who he is. And that's a theme you see throughout the entire Bible is this idea of God saying, pray back. Back to me what I've already told you. Pray back to me these scriptures. And by reminding God, it's really reminding us of it. So that's a great question there. Yeah, um, next one. Jen Westenbarger asked, is it like the Israelites were trying to undo their punishment slash judgment? Oh, I think so, probably a little bit. I think it was one of those things where they stopped and they said, we can fix this. And be careful of the fix-it personality. Um, You know, God, I really screwed this up and I can fix this. I just need to put more effort into this. I just need to do this. And we're going to go on our own and we're just going to figure this out. God God had to make sure that they did not exceed in doing this on their own. Because if they would go into the promised land on their own there in verse 39 and make this work, it would show that they didn't need God to start with. And I think there's a part of us that says, okay, I messed this up. I can fix this. I'm slowly learning when I mess something up. I just really need to hit my knees and pray and fast, ask for forgiveness. And it's just like Numbers 21, Lord, I'm not going to go now unless you tell me to go. All right, anything else, Lice? That's it? Okay. Hey, we'll be live streaming on Sunday as well. And it looks like for the foreseeable future, this is what we're going to be doing. I appreciate everybody doing this. If you know somebody who does not have access to the live streaming and they would like a copy of the CD, let us know. we got a ministry of sending those out. If you um, want any type of devotional on your own, we put a Facebook post up, I think, a week or so ago that have some great online ones you can click on. I can also send you one. And, uh, guys, if you're interested in any type of uh, online study, contact me love to get you hooked up with that and we got some going with the gals as well too we'll be in numbers 15 next week and what a blessing this is thoroughly enjoy it and um it is a unique season to say the least out there please remember all the way back when this first started you know adapting what i heard greg laurie said we're going to be practical we're going to take practical steps to be safe we're going to be prayerful but we're going to be purposeful purposeful to say lord i get to go represent faith not fear i get to go represent you in the middle of this i probably have more time i'm assuming you guys have more time at home than you've ever had what a time to grow and go deeper in the lord ephesians redeem the time redeem the time what a blessing this is and keep the world in prayer god is a big enough god that we can pray for the entire world at one time and he'll hear it and he'll take care of it 
Let's pray. Lord, as we just come to you now, thank you for being a faithful God, a merciful God, a gracious God, a God of second, third, fourth chances, mercy to multiple generations. Lord, I thank you for this technology. Um, I pray that it would always be blessed at home and here at church and the enemy be bound over it for your glory. I thank you for those guys that spend a lot of time behind the scenes getting this up and running. You know, I thank you for just the time of worship and what a blessing that is and the energy that Marv is putting into that and just it was neat to see John and Kathy on Sunday and Ellen today. How fun is that to see the body of Christ coming together? Let us find those unique ways to be fruitful in this season. And Lord, let us walk in faith, not fear. As we're on the edge of the promised land, help us to be willing to go in in faith, not fear. You are good and do good, and we love you, Lord. And we just also give you a blanket prayer for the world, and I know you can handle that. And Lord, once again, those soldiers, those care packages that Donna's getting ready to send out, bless that as well. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. You guys have a good week, and God bless.